Welcome to the show, everybody. This is Matt Dixon, and with me in studio is... Justin Bruggeman. And we've got an awesome True Wealth radio show for you today, where we're going to unpack a lot of different stuff. Um, Justin, I had some ideas come into the studio today, and it's revolving around what really goes into being a wealthy investor, right? Mm -hmm. Everyone wants to know, what are the secrets? And maybe those secrets aren't as secret as you might think. Right. There's a lot of stuff that goes into it. Um, and I want you to kind of turn the the cog in the brain and really start thinking about this because I'm going to start grilling you and say, hey, what what is it that you think um, makes for a wealthy investor? And kind of behind the scenes, how does a wealthy investor loop other people in so that they don't drive themselves crazy chasing their tail okay. in circles, right? Like no, trying to, to keep everything straight because oftentimes there's a lot of moving pieces. Mm -hmm. So I want to unpack that today, and I think we should just go for it and jump right in. So Justin, right out of the gate, give me something um, that you might think of when you think of a wealthy investor. Well, it'll first start with the mindset. Okay. Especially because when we... A lot of times what we see, people are very instant gratification. Mm -hmm. and like they want to be wealthy right out of the gate or they or, want to appear wealthy, wealthy to others. Or, or what their decision making is is short term. Oh, okay. Instead of when you're looking at the mindset of wealthy investors, one, they're patient. That's and, a really big piece, yeah. And two, and this is the one that I think that most people struggle with, they have long-term vision, mm -hmm. which... That vision is more than even a year or two or three years. Some people have the ability that their vision look, expands beyond that. They're looking 10 years ahead, not... And when you mean like looking for ahead, you're talking about like setting goals and saying, yeah. you know, I want to get to this certain spot and kind of laying that framework yeah. together of how am I going to get there. And having the short and long-term goals yeah. with... That's an by also piece. being patient yeah. and not rushed into bad opportunities or maybe not as profitable opportunities. I think you touched on something right there that a lot of us might um, kind of overlook. You said having short-term and long-term goals mm -hmm. because too many people, I feel like, set their their target way out there. And if you're not kind of getting any gratification in the short term because you don't have any short-term goals, right. then it's really, really easy to start missing out um, on you know that feel-good moment of achieving those short-term goals. Yeah. I yeah. mean, even a real kind of, I guess not super, I guess it's common, but an easy one is if you want to, say, have real estate in your portfolio in the future, mm -hmm. and let's say you're young, and so your first kind of goal is, I want to buy a house. But mm -hmm. that's when the goal kind of stops. You bought the house and then all you're focused on in the house when really when people are trying to have more of a real estate portfolio that necessarily don't have the capital right away is they're looking at their first purchase and then working towards their next purchase that then maybe is an upgrade and then planning to rent the one that they're currently in. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people don't look that far ahead. They right. look... I got the house. What am I going to do to this right now? And and then they forget about their long-term vision. Right. 
yeah, I think that's really, really important um, to consider when you're making these big decisions is what does this look like five years from now? Right. Or maybe what could it look like 10 five, years from 10, now? 10, 15 years. Yes, exactly. And that's a very, I think it takes a special skill set for people to be able to look that way. Mm-hmm. Because everything is so instant. What is my short-term goal? And once I've achieved that, it's usually a different goal instead of maintaining course to further the goals. Mm-hmm. Um, which it doesn't mean you can't change your goals. And I got to admit, some of the best decisions I've made financially have been a have been due to the fact that I've been around people at the right time right. and people who have encouraged me in certain ways, saying, "Hey." Have you considered this? And there's been times where I've had an oversight and I'm like, I didn't really think about that. But now that you bring it up, that's a great idea. And I've acted on it and it's been really financially Mm -hmm. beneficial for me. And so I think a big piece of that is surrounding yourself with people that make good decisions Mm -hmm. so that when they're seeing an opportunity that you might not see at the moment, you can also get on that bandwagon and, um, you know, be there and be present in that moment. Like for an example, right? Uh, back when we first bought our house, we financed it. I think it was like four and a half percent. And that's when rates started to really change quickly. And a friend came up to me and was like, Hey, you know, I just refinanced my house and I cut my mortgage way down and I was able to then turn a 30 year mortgage into a 15 year mortgage at a much lower rate. And my monthly payment was virtually the same. Right. And it was a byproduct of being around someone, you know, who was smart and who saw an opportunity and networking within that, that community kind of, and, and making good decisions. And so I think that's a big piece of being that wealthy and kind of savvy investor is saying, Hey, I'm going to put myself around people who have long-term goals mm-hmm. or who make good decisions financially and then kind of surrounding yourself with those people. Yeah, cuz if you even look at it, how many times how many times have you made impatient and short-term decisions that have came back to bite you? Oh, that's that's a thing, right? Oh, yeah. Like it's a thing for all of us because by nature I feel like we are impatient and if it's just you and you're going off of you know, how do I feel today or what's going to make me feel good in the moment? Your decisions probably aren't going to be very good. Right. And another kind of mindset trade is, which this kind of wraps back into it as well, is risk management and calculated decisions, which not impatient decisions, patient decisions. Yes. That make sense. And then the risk management side of it is focus on more than just one goal. Mm -hmm. I guess what would be is there, I mean, if it is just real estate there, you might need more than just real estate, right? Maybe you have investable assets, things like that, retirement assets. Kind of the correlation there too. What if all of it's real estate, right? Like what if you have a lot of assets and you keep piling more and more real estate into the portfolio? What if you're doing it at the wrong time and interest rates um, have a big change? And we're seeing that right now. So if you're overly concentrated what if there's another 2008 style event and everything's in real estate and right. now you're not liquid anymore? So a lot of people don't really fully understand that risk element and how am I risked out and am I diversified enough? Um, people tend to stick with what they know. Mm-hmm. And just because you know it really well, that's that's good. That's great. 
we like right. you to be educated, but sometimes if you're only playing in one little area of the arena, you're missing out on opportunities. Yeah, and it can tamper. So say you have everything, everything you have is in real estate, mm -hmm. and then you go through a 2008 style event right. where prices plummet and you have no liquid assets available because it might create, you know, in situations like that, it can create opportunities to have buy things at a better price, buy right. more real estate mm -hmm. um, with a long-term goal of, you know, appreciation and it's the long term. And so. that's why we talk about cash being not always a liability, that's, right? That's Some why people, cash is king. Yeah, exactly. There's a lot of truth in that. And I think another cornerstone of all of this mindset that we're talking about is being adaptable. Mm -hmm. Some people get so stuck in their ways and they're like, well, you know, I've been buying treasuries forever and I'm going to just stick to my treasuries or I'm going to stick to my CDs and I'm never going to branch out. Right. I mean, I'm not bashing on CDs or treasuries. I'm not saying they're good, bad or the other. But what I am saying is what if there's a better opportunity right. over here? If you got the blinders on, right, you got to be able to see both sides of where you're going. Um, it's time to take the blinders off yeah. if you want to be that wealthy and I mean, savvy investor. The ability to adapt is is huge because absolutely everything changes, mm -hmm. um, and it changes quickly. And so, if you don't, and if you are, you're right. If you're stuck in your in one way mindset with the blinders on, you're missing opportunities that are available. Mm -hmm. And I like the continuous learning too. Which I mean, it doesn't matter. You can surround yourself with the smartest person you know. Mm -hmm. Most of the time, those people are continuously learning, reading, getting more information to become even smarter. Right. Yeah. Continuing that process of, of diving into what's available and what makes the most sense given um, where things are at in the market and the economy. That is definitely a big piece of things. Isn't that why we always say surround yourself with people that are smarter than you? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so you can learn. Justin, in your case, that's really hard. There's not that many people. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So I I think those are some really good points. Justin, can you think of other ways, um, maybe more instead of just mindset, kind of going into like the portfolio, right? Because right. And that's, that's a big focus. What does my portfolio look like? What do my holdings look like? What are some of the things that an investor should focus on in that segment? Just kind of drilling down into that portfolio and saying, am I doing this right? right. Is there ways for improvement? What are some thoughts that come to your mind? Right. And we touched on this a little bit is the not having all your eggs in one basket is mm -hmm. maintaining some diversification or, right. you know, assets spread out in different areas. That way, if one section is struggling, it's not affecting your entire portfolio it's just that section's going through a rough time and recoveries happen it just buys time for the recovery to happen without having to panic and alter your strategy mm -hmm. yes would be a way to put it yeah um, and i i think um kind of going even more granular than that i've seen some people where they have this mentality that um you know, I'm going to get into this sector and because I'm in this sector, 
I am diversified, right? And so they'll heavily weight their investments. They might love oil, for example, right? right. They, this person, whoever they are, loves oil. And so they diversify out um, in energy, but 80% of their money's in oil. What if the price of oil goes way down and then profits right. go down, right? And just because you might own 20 different stocks um, in oil companies, doesn't necessarily mean that you're diversified. You're you're really focused in one industry right. in one sector, yeah. and that can be really really damaging to a portfolio based on you know time horizon and if you need access to some of that right. money. Sector risk, right? Yeah, sector <laughs> risk is a big thing, and I don't think people fully understand mm -hmm. it. So it's it's really important to try and grasp that so that you don't make those type of mistakes. Um, and that's another reason why you hire a financial advisor, right? Mm -hmm. You need someone sometimes, I mean, some of you do it yourself. You know what you're doing. That's fine. But sometimes you have these slight oversights and that's yeah. a reason why you have someone in your corner who's advising. Right. But we are running a little bit long. So we're going to take an obscene profit break. And when we get back, we're going to talk about some of the kind of tricks behind the trade of how to become a wealthy investor. So this is Matt Dixon and Justin Bruggeman. You guys are listening to Kate QEN on 93.9 FM and 1240 AM. All right, everybody, welcome back to the True Wealth Radio Show. You guys are listening to KQEN on 93.9 FM and 1240 AM. Justin, we left our listeners off talking about that wealthy savvy investor mindset and we were talking about different ways um, that investors set themselves up for success if you missed that first part of the podcast check it out at our website littlejohnfs.com it'll be available tomorrow justin um i kind of want to dive in where we left off we were talking about you know diversifying away some stuff mm -hmm. um one of the things I've noticed, and I think we do a good job of this in office, um, because a lot of people wonder, what happens if I call you guys and I come in for a meeting? What does that even look like, right? And I think one of the things that we do really well is trying to match what the investor is looking for. We're looking at, at the investments and their risk tolerance, right? Mm -hmm. And saying, what allows you to sleep at night? Because... Right we don't want to take so much risk that when there's a fluctuation in the account um, that you're calling us and panicking and saying, oh my gosh, you know, we got to do something here. Right. I, I'm freaking out. Um, and we tend to look at risk on a scale of zero to a hundred, mm -hmm. right? Where zero is we're going to bury that money in the backyard. Whereas maybe a hundred is we're going to go to Vegas and we're going to gamble this thing on black. We're going to put it all on black. Yeah. Let it ride. Um, but twice yeah double down double <laughs> down you won the first one let's do it again um but no so we're looking at um the risk metrics with with standard deviation and it's just a fancy way of saying you know maybe you know within x number of standard deviations you should expect your account balance to fluctuate you know between this threshold and this threshold 95 right. percent of the time is that always accurate? No, but it gives us some idea of where we're comfortable at, and it 
moves us closer to this conversation based around, you know, where am I comfortable investing? Because without that piece, how do you even know how to invest? Right. You don't. Yeah. I mean, it's and it's a matter of, you know, a lot of things can go into it. It was like what you said, how you sleep or what makes you able to sleep at night or what keeps you up. But it's also, you know, time horizon makes a big difference. Mm-hmm. It um, really does. And, you know, where you're at in life, you know, whether you're approaching retirement, already retired, or you're just starting. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times what we see most often is a lot of times people tend to be more conservative at the beginning when they're first starting out investing because mm-hmm. it's just... They're it's new to them. It's, yeah, they're new to it, right. Um, and then usually what you see is as the years go on, people gradually get more and more aggressive for Have matters. Have you noticed a little bit that sometimes, though, people get this misunderstanding that the more risk that I'm going to take, the more return I'm going to get, right? And so sometimes they, they have this, and, you know, maybe it works sometimes, but mm-hmm. in talking, you know, in general here, it doesn't always equate to the more risk you take, the more return you get. No. Sometimes there's like, it, it diminishes, right? Like, yeah, you are taking more risk, but that doesn't set you up you to necessarily taking, have more return. You can be taking too much, and that's mm-hmm. usually caused by over-concentration. Right, and so I think that just goes back to you need to balance your risk and potential returns based on your goals. Mm-hmm. I think that's really kind of the core... Um, thing that you need to to understand there is it's a balancing beam, right? And um, that really changes where your focus is going to be. Right. But. And it, it really can, which it kind of brings to, you know, having, you know, not all your eggs in one basket, it's your risk tolerance, your time horizon, which kind of breaks into, which kind of going away a little bit from what we were talking about is, um, when we were talking about the savvy investor and their goals, mm-hmm. um, is having milestones. What well, do you What do you exactly mean by that? Like, so, it's more than goals. I think. Um, yeah. What What do you think of when you think of some milestones? Like even you even hear even people coming in for retirement planning. They're young. He's like, I I just want to get to, I want to have two million dollars. Mm-hmm. Well, that's great. Right. You know, I'm just starting out, you know, early 20s. I'm saving this much. This is 40 years down the time frame. That's the only goal you're going to have. Right. Instead of having it's like, all right, at this age, I want to have this much. Mm-hmm. And at this age, I want to have and they're shorter term goals on the big financial picture. That way you have some wins. Yeah, I think that's really important. Yeah. Because I mean, even like, so you're kind of just breaking breaking it apart, yeah. breaking it down, and saying we're going to divvy this up. Um, like, say we're saving for a home, you know, a first home or even a rental home. Mm-hmm. Like, I need to save this much, and you know, this is a five year goal. Which good, you're looking five years, but have the six month, one year, two year goal to say I am on track. Because mm-hmm. otherwise, it's it's just such delayed gratification. Something else will probably come along and be more exciting, and all your focus shifts to that, and then you forget the long-term goal. So it's okay to say, okay, wife, yes, we can go to Hawaii in six months if we're saving 
blanking huh. out from yeah so yeah you don't have to completely starve yourself of all of the fun in life it's okay yeah. to spend some money that's we're not saying save 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 every yeah. penny you have you can spend money but as long as you know you're being responsible and also looking to your future a little bit true wealth isn't only about what you have in your bank account it's true and the experiences and the quality of life you live has just as much of an impact as mm -hmm. the bottom line yeah and you got to be able to adapt on the fly right like yeah. life circumstances come up say you're you know in retirement and your spouse gets really sick right and you've got uh, your retirement's on track everything's great but that time horizon has really shrunk down mm -hmm. you need to be able to adapt and say you know what quality time remaining how much time do we yeah. have left that is is good time that we're going to be able to enjoy together you know what we're going to spend a lot more money in these next few years than we expected and being able to adapt and say i'm okay with that let's shift right gears and even there's the ability to adapt i mean we've seen it this past you know two years mm -hmm. the cost of stuff is just more expensive Yes. Well, and we had, you know, you look at 2022 where the market started and where it finished, mm -hmm. right? You see a slide in the markets to that degree. Maybe depending on where you're at, you readjust and say, you know, the markets are down. Maybe I'm going to spend a little bit less this year. Right. I'm going to budget this a little bit tighter. And then so then in years where the markets move higher and things are good, maybe you're spending a little bit more. And that's one of the biggest benefit of the, having diversification across different asset classes. And I think it's one of the biggest reasons why you hire someone like a financial planner or an investment advisor in the first place, right? Because they might have a software package that's more robust than what you right. have or what you have access to. And so you can sit down with someone and say, Hey, um, things have changed. We just spent $40,000 on a plumbing job and a roof repair. Right. Um, how are we looking? How does this change things? Right. Oh, it doesn't really change things at all. Continue with course. Or maybe you need to pull back a little bit. But being able to look at numbers in real time and adapt to them, mm -hmm. I think personally is one of the biggest reasons why someone might loop in an advisor to right. help out. Because even when you are looking, I mean, you know, for certain instances, I mean, you have, you know, you have like an emergency fund, you have some cash savings, and then you have some aggressive investments, and then you have some, call it moderate investments right. or conservative investments. So when you go through times like 2021, which was a great year, it's like, great, let's pull from this aggressive side because mm -hmm. there's money there and it's growing. And then you run into 2022 and these aggressive assets have fallen, you know, 30, right. 35%. And if you need the money, what it allows you to do is pull from the conservative side mm -hmm. and it buys time. You know, that's one thing that I've actually, you know, over the years have really taken from you, learned from and kind of spiced it up with my own language when I'm talking to people is this idea of different buckets, mm -hmm. right? Because the three buckets, yeah, the three <laughs> buckets rule, right? Like you have this money that's conservative, it's not going to fluctuate mm -hmm. much, but you know, in the event that you need to spend, 
boom, you're spending out of that bucket. Right. You've got this long-term bucket where you're like, let's be aggressive with this one and try and grow mm -hmm. it as aggressively as we can. So just being able to have money in different accounts. Um, or whether different models, I guess you could call models, it. Models, yeah. Or different accounts, right? You might yeah. have money in a retirement account. Mm -hmm. You might have money in an individual account. They're, maybe they're being taxed differently, so there's yep. advantages of pulling one from here versus there. And that's, you know, sometimes why we talk about diversifying with using a Roth versus a traditional. Maybe mm -hmm. you're using both. There's a lot of different angles that you can take. But the key is knowing what buckets you can use. Right. That's where I think most people really get hung up is they don't know what's available to them. And that's a little bit of where. And that's why we do this where show. Where if you don't have the knowledge of it, mm -hmm. an advisor can help you make help you avoid making a costly mistake right in an irrational state of time i guess is the best way to Ooh, describe it you that. just touched on something that's really important yeah. because you just said in an irrational time mm -hmm. things are you know maybe the markets are sour or mm -hmm. your account isn't worth what it was 6 months ago you need someone oftentimes to just be that that calm cool collected right. They're not attached to it, right? Like, right. if it's not, you don't want to operate on your own kid. I know we use that analogy all right. the time. If you're yeah. a doctor, you really don't want to do that because you might not be thinking logically at, at the time. But as the advisor, you're you're more detached than the person who, you know, owns that money yeah. or that investment. And so you might be able to make a more rash decision. Right. Or there might be a collective group of it and advisors who exactly. are talking together. They're linked up and they're thinking along the same lines and they notice something and that you don't. And we do that a lot we in do. our office. We really you know, do. It, I mean, the three of us, I mean, four, even the four of us, Wes, sometimes as well, is we bounce ideas off each other because everybody looks at it a little bit different. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's like, oh, you can do this or that, but you could also do this. And that's something that maybe one of us, that's the great part about having a team of advisors that we mm -hmm. have is it's not just one of us making the decision. It's not one. It's not two. It's, it's not three. Yeah, it's <laughs> many. And yeah. it's, you know, there's coming to a point where, you know, what are the paralysis pretty much is, all right, if we're going too far into this, we're not going to make any decisions. Right. So eventually yeah. we have to make one. But. Yeah, and a lot, you know, you just kind of sparked my mind here on this. Sometimes people f think that there's only a right or wrong answer in right. investing, right? There's like, not. It has to be black and white. No, there's lots of gray. Right? <laughs> yeah, it doesn't work that way. Um, sometimes it is black and white, but yeah. a lot of the times it's not, and that's why you kind of have to get a little bit artistic and yeah, you're painting with gray, but you're going to bring some other colors in there too right. and really start um, getting creative with how you structure things because that's just the reality of investing. But Justin, I think we might have run this segment a little long. So let's take Again, an two in a row. I know we're just having way too much fun here on the true wealth radio show, but when we get back from the break, we're going to talk about more awesome stuff. So stick around. You guys are listening to 93.9 FM and 1240 AM here at KQN. We'll be right back. All right, everybody, we are back. Welcome to the third leg of the True Wealth Radio Show where Justin and I are in studio and we are rambling on 
about different ways to build wealth, mindsets that it takes to be that savvy, wealthy investor. We've got a lot of information we're throwing your way. If you missed the first half of the show, I feel bad for you. So tune in tomorrow. Catch it because you don't want to miss it. Justin, catch me up. Where are we at? What are we talking about? Get me back on track because I'll just go into the weeds. Well, we're going to talk a little bit about the importance of doing the research. And the oh, due I diligence. love the research. My goodness. Don't even get me started on that. Well, we are getting you started. Okay. Um, do you want me to talk about this? Sure, because I'll ahead. get I'll get deep into the weeds, go Justin. Go ahead. And then um, I'll be able to stop you from going too far. Well, yeah. Wave the red flag if I go on too long. But basically, you know, this is another reason why I feel like you might look at hiring an advisor, right? Because we pay for software that is helping us analyze stocks, right? And the big piece about it is how often are we looking at this stuff? <laughs> I mean, yeah. every single day, right? Yeah, day, Weekends, well, we're no, reading. It's, it's not even every day. Every well, we have minutes, our, you know, every minute, I yeah. guess. It's, uh, we have multiple screens going. Somebody and has their eyes on it at all times. Yeah, it's, it's wild like, because you have to, right? If this mm-hmm. is where you work, if this is the industry that you're in, if your eyes aren't watching every move, you're behind and you don't want to be behind, not in this industry. Mm. And for the average person, unless you're retired and have a lot of time on your hands and you're educated about your subject matter, you're going to miss stuff. Right. You just, you can't. You should. Go enjoy life. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Like, this is why we are paid. This is why we do it, right? Because people don't want to be missing stuff. And I'm not saying that we're over here making all the right calls because that's not possible. We don't have that magic crystal ball yeah we can't see the future but what we can do is be educated and be in it all the time looking at it and understanding it and there's so many different ways that you can analyze a stock and i Mm -hmm. think the funny thing is is people think well you know there's like a cheat code where if you analyze it this way you'll know what to do and that's i think how people sell these subscription services where it's like well, if you want our 10 stock picks of the week, right. we're really, really smart, go ahead and subscribe for nine ninety nine a month, and you'll get access to information that no one else has. And I always look at that, and I'm like, dude, if you were that good at picking the stocks, you wouldn't be selling advice. You would be on an island somewhere drinking a fancy cocktail, and we'd never hear from you again. Because you have the cheat code, and if you have the cheat code, you're going to make an unlimited number or an unlimited amount of money. Right. But what you can do is you can, you know, analyze stock charts. You can look at the fundamentals of a company. Mm-hmm. You can look at how much revenue does that company have compared to their earnings. Is the company growing? Are they shrinking? Are they in trouble? You can pour through a ton of data that gives you a really good understanding of what is it that the company does? What are some of the risks involved in investing with that Mm -hmm. company? Um, Looking at trends in the market and saying, hey, you know, this trend doesn't look good. Maybe we should up our cash levels. There are so many things that you can do that I think that's why a lot of people say, I'm willing to pay a little bit for this service because I don't want to bear all of that myself. Right. 
Did I go on too long? No, you were my favorite though, which you didn't is profit margins. Ooh. Especially in times that we're in right now. Oh yeah, you gotta look at our company's making money. Yeah. And because they're, you know, their their margins like, you know, things have gotten more expensive. So can a shrink in those margins? Are they still going to be solvent? Are mm-hmm. they, you know, going to you know interest rates are rising, so it gets more expensive to be you know let to be borrowing a, money. Right. Like if a company's really far in debt and they got to keep borrowing money to stay afloat. Do you want to own that company right. if now their balance sheet is loaded up with debt at eight percent? Because Why do you no think one, the dollar store is no longer the dollar store. Yeah, the dollar, dollar twenty five cent store. You know, and now the dollar twenty five store is also putting in plexiglass in a lot of their stores because, <laughs> you know, theft is on the rise, and so you're looking at all of this and saying, "Hey, you know, where should I be in uncertain times?" Right. Insert someone to talk to someone to bounce ideas off of maybe it's us maybe it's not but if it is us you can find us pretty easily at littlejohnfs.com or you can email us at info at littlejohnfs.com or you can call us at 541-375-0898 i'm very proud of you of that look at that great i know and you know i i appreciate that we are continuing to keep this motto of if you want to chat we're not going to run the meter right out of the gate, right? Like if you want to just have a consultation where we talk and see if it's a good fit, mm-hmm. we're not going to charge you for that because maybe we are a good fit. But then again, maybe we're not. Maybe we're a good fit and you just don't know it yet. Ooh, <laughs> I like that sneakiness there, Justin. Okay, so yeah, research is a big part of it. Is there anything else on that topic that you kind of want to talk about like that's important well a little bit of is is understanding how economic and global events can impact it impact performance impacts Mm -hmm. portfolios i mean and we've the last few years we've gone through a lot of global issues oh my gosh i mean it news travels a lot faster than it used to right And so I think that plays a large portion of it, but you're right. I mean, we're seeing an economic um, kind of shakedown like we haven't seen in how many years? No, no. I mean, even you go, I mean, we have COVID, the pandemic. COVID, great example. Um, the Russia-Ukraine war. Right, supply chains there. I think McDonald's, if I remember right, shut down all of yeah. their stores in Russia. I think it was. Or they sold them off, right? So like supply chains right. have been disrupted and then going through a, an inflationary environment as well i mean and this is three years yeah we're at 21 year high mortgage rates right we went from two percent three percent interest on a home <laughs> to over eight percent in a matter of like 18 months or something yeah like something ridiculous so you're saying the landscape has yeah, the, dramatically the shifted. Big, what, what would it be? The the macro kind of indicators. That uh-huh. is yes. how it influ- how different global indicators influence your investments mm-hmm. and your real estate. Everything. Right. Um, you know, rent the ability for renters to pay their rent mm-hmm. because you can. You know, stuff's more expensive. You have to increase rent, and then you have you know default risk on the other side as well which can cause issues. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think that things have changed 
and you got to do your due diligence to know you know where the opportunities are where the red flags are potentially at and then you can start to navigate those waters um one i know we're um we've got a lot more i want to talk yeah. about though yeah here well pay attention to your biases Ooh. especially if you're making your own investment decisions because they are real so yeah, I mean, Justin, there are some companies out there that you love intrinsically, mm -hmm. right? Like you might shop there all the time. You buy all your food and all your consumables at this yeah. place. And, and this you, is not investment advice. No. I love Costco. It is your favorite, right? And I love everything about the store except my bank account. Oh, your bank account doesn't love it. <laughs> um, do you ever dabble in the food court? Like, does the dollar fifty hot dog just call to you? Yes. The pizza, like, yes. it's an it's an entire I mean, experience from the moment you, that you walk in. You can get a hot dog and a drink for dollar fifty. I mean, come on, right? Like the rotisserie chicken for five dollars. You get samples along the way, and it's the one store where you never quite know what you're gonna find. Right. Right, it's like a vacation that is very expensive. It's the one store where you never want to look at the cash register when you leave. You're just like, how bad was it? How bad was it? Yeah, it's funny because everyone we talk to, I think Cheyenne, uh, my wife, was talking to a friend the other day, and that friend was saying, "Yeah, you know, every time we go to Costco, it's six hundred bucks. You know, the other day it was eight hundred. My wife is super funny, so she has this rule, and she calls it the twelve ninety nine rule." If it's twelve ninety nine at Costco or below, she's interested. But the moment it crosses that <laughs> threshold, she'll really she'll stand there for a few minutes and be like, "Do I really need this?" Does like, that rule still apply? Still, okay. to this day, it's the twelve ninety nine. She might rule. need to jump at a couple bucks. Yeah, maybe with inflation, we might <laughs> right. have to make this the fifteen ninety nine rule. Right. But yeah, when she goes, the, and so actually, when we go to Costco, it's never over two hundred dollars. We always are out of there and a hundred bucks or less it seems like but we're only That's buying possible now I, it's true you know it's only like the paper towels and maybe a thing of cat food and a rotisserie chicken that's a hundred bucks right there i know but <laughs> that's where we cut it off we say no more um because if we don't we will be the the 90 percent that ends up with that 600 hundred dollar bill that's there right. we go we're getting into the weeds but that's okay um i think the larger point is that Wow, that there we have biases. Yes, there are companies, wow. stocks, investments, whatever it is that we love, and just because we love it doesn't always mean it's a good investment, right? True. Like it might be, maybe it is, but then again, maybe it's not. So, Justin, I think it's that time. It is. We're gonna take our last profit break, but when we get back, drum roll, please. We are going to cover some of the most important things you need to know. We're going to bring this thing home. So stick around. You guys are listening to 93.9 FM and 1240 AM here at KQEN. You're listening to Matt Dixon and Justin Bergman on the True Wealth Radio Show. All right, everybody. Welcome back to the True Wealth Radio Show. I'm Matt Dixon and with me in studio, the legendary, the one and only Justin Bergman. All right, Justin We've covered so much stuff. If you've missed it, catch the podcast. You know where to go. Justin, let's wrap this thing up. What else do you want to talk about today before this show's over? 
You know, we've kind of talked about, you know, the wealthy and savvy investor, I guess you could call it, mm-hmm. and, the, and their mindset. Um, and what really it all kind of wraps around to, I guess, is how do you get there? Right, right. I think the cornerstone was build a solid investment portfolio. Mm-hmm. That is key. You got to have the portfolio. Um, how are some of the ways that you yeah. do that? You're doing a lot of research. You're doing a lot of due diligence. And if you don't have time for it, like most people, you hire someone to do it. Right. <laughs> Little John Financial, <laughs> we're here. We're local. You can call us. Um, there's my hard sell of the day. Um, but after you get the stuff, right, then what? I think yeah. that starts to tilt into a whole nother segment, which we probably don't have a lot of time for. But it's it's that preservation right being tax efficient preserving wealth justin what really goes into that portion i think part of it is you know when you talk about protecting and growing your assets it's you know is your insurance coverage up to date that's a big one um a lot of people don't have that you know what if you're a really high net worth earner Mm -hmm. your lifestyle is based around a certain budget per month and your spouse, you know, they make good money too. But in the event that you pass, what happens then? Right. Part of keeping generational wealth is setting up parameters that are fail safe, right? Life insurance might be a part of that. Maybe it isn't. Maybe it is. Um, estate planning. I think mm-hmm. that's another big one. Maybe you need to avoid probate because family members are going to tear this thing apart in court right (laughs) so maybe you need to to trust yeah there are so many different things making sure that wealth can transfer in a smooth orderly fashion without conflict in the family gosh everyone wants that but sometimes people just don't get to it that's another reason why you hire a financial planner or an advisor because you want to make sure that when you transfer that baton it's smooth it's flawless things don't get dropped you don't step outside of the lane and get dq'd i mean insurance coverage is a which insurance is one of those things you pay for you hope you never have to use almost all of it right you know life insurance obviously um property and casualty insurance but making sure that your coverage is adequate, because just because it's cheap, you might mm-hmm. be getting what you're paying for. Right. And especially the price of things now. Mm-hmm. I mean, you go bash into a brand new F-350 uh-huh. and you have you know $50,000 liability limits. Yeah. You're in trouble. I'm guilty of this myself, right? Like, I'm okay on the auto side, but I need to up my life insurance. Right. And here's a professional sitting at the microphone and I'll raise my hand and say, I have procrastinated on this. We're all guilty of doing it. But the important part is being able to own it and say, yeah, I I could do better here than I am doing. And then actually doing something about it. So, Justin, you're going to be my accountability person on this. You're going to make me figure out, you know, how much do I really need and getting that taken care of because it's important. We can't slouch on it. Right. And the worst it can do is putting it off too long mm-hmm. where it gets an unfortunable expensive. event happens. Yeah. And it's 
too late. Right. Or rates go up because or you're older and now you can't afford it or something, right? It, yeah. There's a myriad of different things that could happen. But um, I think it's really important to review all aspects of, of insurance. Yeah. Of Absolutely. In, yeah. And looking at the, the taxes, right? Like some people turn a blind eye when it comes to taxes. Mm-hmm. Maybe they're not using the correct um, tax advantage account, right? Right. So that could be a thing. Absolutely. Um, um, and then being aware of the tax implications of when you're buying and selling. Yeah, you anything. can trigger. You can trigger a lot of gains, yeah. and I have unfortunately seen that someone is just like, you know, what I want the cash. Boom, sell. Right. And they did it on their own outside of the advice of someone. And oh wait, I inherited that and maybe a cost basis or something and now I just triggered a hundred thousand in gains. Right. Um or it was gifted I should have said it, it was gifted to me and, and then I uh you know screwed up the basis and made a right. big mistake. So yeah. you get the picture. You can easily make a blunder that's very, very costly and the cheapest part Cheap. of Yeah. The cheapest part of having good advice is not making the big costly mistakes. We're out of time. You guys have been listening to the True Wealth Radio Show. I'm Matt Dixon. And Justin Brogman. And we will catch you next Tuesday at 4. The preceding program was paid for by Little John Financial Services. The opinions and views expressed may not reflect those of Brooks Communications, its affiliates, or its employees.